Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, dude. The 90s called With Christine Taylor and David Lasher. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hey, Dude, The 90s Called. I am one of your co-hosts, Christine. I'm your other co-host, David. Hi, David. What's up? How are you? I'm good. Did Casey go to school yet? Where are we at? What's we go the tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I'm, I know. I'm. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I, it's. It's. It'll be so great. It'll be so great. Big deal. Yeah. I. You know, Casey's one of those kids who enjoyed his high school experience way more than I did. You know, oh like my gosh, he's he one of those. Is clinging to his friend. I mean, he was at, in Malibu at the beach till midnight last night. I'm like, dude. You know, you gotta. We gotta start packing. Right. You're gonna have to leave at some point, and right. You know, but he's excited. I mean, and it's 105 degrees in Austin. So, oh, gorgeous! It'll be a beautiful movement, <laughs> a beautiful dorm moving. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's really exciting. Yeah, Ella was just saying um, the other day she's getting ready to start her final year of college, and she said, "I'm finally there." I- I'm getting to that place where I wanted to be since I was six years old, not in school anymore. <laughs> she <laughs> was never a kid who liked journey. school. She just did never loved school. I mean, had got had great friends, but did not love the high school experience. I did not. We had a very sort of a traditional you and I right. high school experience. We only had part of it, really. But I, I was the same. But Casey, oh, God love him. It's going to be great. Yeah. And how's Quinn? What's he up to? He's good. He's good. He's he's going to be getting his wisdom teeth out in about a week and a half. So he's Ooh, sort of fun. trying to en- enjoy his freedom until and then, you know, it's all the end of summer, the like summer reading and all of that stuff, which has been, um, you know, put on the back burner. Everyone gives up on summer in mid-August and it really <laughs> bothers me. I, me too. Right. Me like too. it's always after Labor Day. Let's start talking about the end of summer. Yeah. We're still in it. We're in it. We're in it. We'll enjoy it. Um, And all right. And the fact that we get to still do our podcast over the summer and get to um, connect, meet, reconnect with so many incredible guests. Our guest today, who is in the waiting room. Yeah, I'm excited. 
someone I worked with back in the 90s. Um, we worked on a, a cult classic film together. And, you know, I'm going to ask her how she feels if she wants to mention the films by name that she's been in. Or, I mean, I think everyone has different feelings about that um, with the strike. But um, anyway, let's let's bring her in. She's She is so... So good. She was so good in this movie we're in. Her name is Rachel True, and I cannot wait to see her. It's been too many years. I'm excited. I just watched some – well, I'm not going to name movies. I just watched another clip of a movie she did. She's so freaking funny. Let's say a big hello to my long-lost friend, Rachel True. <laughs> Thank it's you so much right. for having me on your podcast, you guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Like, Thank you. Uh, first this of all – This is awesome. We, you know, we're in this strike and we've been continuing our podcast because we are a 90s podcast. So we're really looking back. We no nobody that we have coming on has really been promoting anything they're doing now. We're, we're really trying to look back on what that era was for all of us, you know, <laughs> of when we were all starting out or, or you know, in, in some cases. But Christine, cases, did you know we were in a moment? Because I don't think that you realize you're in a moment until the moment is gone. Z no no that, I had no is that a song that's a song <laughs> maybe that it is but like I think I keep telling the kids today like when I meet an 18 or 20 year old and they're so fun I'm like you're in a moment right it doesn't last so you know enjoy be it be here now yes be here now like Ram Dahl says Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that because I first of all I want to hear you know I know this is always boring stories for the for the person telling them but like how it all began because then I want to get into that moment in time where we all worked together and my whole experience on that movie was with you so we we'll talk about that but ta let's talk about you're a New York City girl yes yes my stepmom is an actress, a theater actress who did stuff with James Earl Jones and all these big theater people. So I were and listen, we her and I get along amazingly now. But um, I was in foster care from zero to four, which most people are like, you were to the manor born. And I'm like, think, think whatever you want. But so anyway, at four, I went to live with my dad and my my stepmother and I we get her and I get along amazing now. But we didn't back then. And then I saw her on stage. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my God, you could be anyone you want. You could be anything. Not that I've ever really done stage, by the way. I was a film girl. But it caught your attention. <laughs> yeah, well, just that, that you could be, you could embody whatever you wanted and all these different sides of your personality, whether it was really what was happening with you. So I kind of fell in love with it that way. But I was, I'm actually very, um, I'm like an extroverted introvert. So as a child, I was very introverted, very quiet. And I remember saying around eight, I want to be an actress. And everyone was like, ha, 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 you'll never do it. You're too shy. So, you know, I'm a Scorpio. I was like, oh, really? Oh, really? Watch me. <laughs> Don't you dare tell me how you're not going to do something, right? <laughs> In fact, it's, it was very motivating to me when I was young. And I've actually been dissecting that as I get older because I don't really need strife to motivate me. I don't want strife to motivate me as an adult, if that makes any sense. But as a kid, I was like, oh, really? You said no. That's the only reason I ended up in the craft. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> so I, I was in New York City. Um, you know, I was bartending at this place called Caliente Cab, which some old people know. And uh, I started doing commercials. I booked the first one I ever went out on. And then it was a Super Bowl commercial. And whoa, I didn't whoa, know. whoa, whoa. Back up. Your <laughs> first I audition. I anything. I was just like, oh, yeah, it was my commercial. So... That's how I got that. Then I got, um, long story short, I was coaching these kids on a pilot. It was a Raven Simone pilot. So mm -hmm. I'd, I'd actually done stand and work on the Cosby show. I write some essays about that on my book because I saw a lot of things. Anyway, from that job, I was coaching to Raven Simone and the other little boy on uh, Saturday Night Live stage. And Chris Rock came by. So his first impression of me is like this maternal woman with these kids, which I, I love kids. But I was like, you know, a focused actress. So I think he had this impression that I was like this, you know, church going children. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm a hippie. That's <laughs> but, I, but I ended up in his movie CB4. So that's what brought, brought and when I'm tired, my New York accent comes out. Oh, of I love it. No, I love it. 
We got the new. We we have the New York accents too. But you know what? That's the nice thing about being a grown up. You're like it is what it is. So um, I got that Chris Rock movie CB4, which I did have to audition for like three times, and that moved me out here. And that was gotcha. about two years before the craft. So and and then just to say about the craft, my TV broke nine months before that script landed on my doorstep. And um, I was like, I'm going to fix my TV. I'm American. I love television, even though I only had four channels. And then this little voice came in and said, don't fix your TV. <laughs> You're supposed to be doing something else. And then I really I had always done tarot cards and things like that. So I really delved into that. And then these two guys show up nine months later. They're like, oh, it's just a wire. And they fixed my TV. And then the script showed up a week later. So it was almost like the universe forced me to prep for the movie I didn't know was coming. Does that make Sense? It does make sense. And also like that particular movie, which is so <laughs> crazy too, right? When you said yeah. you were like to sort of be one with the universe, to be in, to, to, if you were into tarot card, like how that movie was the one that willed its way into your life somehow. And right. And then you willed your way into it, right? I, I did. But since I was eight years old, I was into all that. Like when I was Four, like I said, I moved back in, in with my dad near what I call the library, which was a bookshelf. But I would pull down <laughs> Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil and a Young's Man and His Symbols. I've been taught to read at like four or five. So I probably a couple words, but really it was the images. Right. And so then cut to a few years later, someone shows me a tarot deck. and I'm like, oh, my God, it's the same images. It's literally the same images from the young book. This is a language I can learn to understand. And again, I'll, not to belabor it, but, you know, tarot always used for self-soothing. Right. Much more than like the future. I'm like a neurotic actor. <laughs> <laughs> a New York. A New York. A New York. You're, like you're reading thing. Nietzsche and Carl Jung as a child. That's pretty special. <laughs> I did have, you know, I'm, I feel lucky that my dad was, uh, he was passed now, but he was like an intellectual Jewish man. So we were introduced to lots of concepts and then, you know, having an actress, uh, stepmother with all the arts and theater. It's really a lovely artistic upbringing. That's that's wonderful. Like to have, I mean, and also to connect the dots at eight years old to have sort of looked at those images and then see see the deck of tarot cards and 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 put those pieces together. And and by the way, at that age, self soothing, self care. Like well, the, no, those I'm are things. Say this: I didn't understand it was self soothing, self care. Then, as I've gotten older. Then I understood what I was doing with it. Do you know what That's I'm saying? Interesting. Like, yeah. I wasn't cognizant enough to know, oh, I'm soul soothing. I knew right. like this makes me feel better or worse. Now, as an adult who writes books as well as other things, I get it now. And I think that I, most of us were not taught really how to self-soothe unless you had amazing parents, which some of us did. But most of us, our parents were tired and working and this and that. And so we were sort of left alone with our little feelings. Right. And we we grew up in that era where our parents were not helicoptering the oh way <laughs> parents, <laughs> myself included, like, to, you know, we're all so involved in our kids' lives now that my parents, I mean, they, they loved me. They g gave me opportunities. They put me in the school play, like all the things that I, but it was sort of like, yeah, sure, go, go do your thing. <laughs> no, or, it, or if you're interested in camp, research it. Let us know. You, it wasn't like they were doing all the work. That's actually us. true. Like, and I, as a New York City kid, which we moved away when I was like 11, 12 and went upstate. But as a city kid, I remember going to the, I used to love to go to the library. You know, it was my safe space, just the library and books. And I would read a book a day. They didn't believe me. The teachers, they tested me on comprehension. I, I got a hundred. So the library was just my place. And I remember leaving at like 7 a.m. to go walk, you know, mile, uh, like, you know, blocks away to go to the library. And I came back at 10 and my parents were just getting up and they were like, where, what, where were you? And I was like, the library. And they were like, okay, there was no, <laughs> nobody sure, noticed. sure you were. <laughs> yeah, nobody noticed I wasn't home. Nobody. <laughs> right. Right. You did your thing. Yeah, it was, it was a different time. I think in some ways it was kind of great. In some ways it was kind of terrible. We, we know that, right? Like there's so many uh, things that today's generation has an awareness of yes. emotional health and physical health. And, and I don't think parent, like, I don't, are you probably, neither one of you probably got hit, but I did. And it, you know, it definitely made me skittish 
like as an adult. And and that's I don't I'm not trying to disparage my parents. I'm just saying they were boomers, you know. Oh, uh, are, you, are you kidding? No, I, I mean, I, I talk openly about the fact that it was my parents also because I also grew up Catholic. They weren't uh, super, super religious, but it was conservative Catholic. It was Catholic school, it, you know, and and a lot back then and in my family in particular, my parents didn't have the skill set to know how to talk about difficult things. So, you know, let's say there something happened with someone in the family. It was sort of like, oh, there's something going on. And then it just kind of got swept under the rug a little bit. We don't talk about it. So that's don't really want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. I don't, we don't, or, you know, what I think the other thing sometimes is parents want to protect you from something that's, might be scary or uncomfortable, so they just don't talk about it, and and that's doing such a disservice. Like by not talking about it, by not living in reality on what the tough stuff is. I agree, or or like filling in the blanks. Because I remember once we moved to upstate New York, I wouldn't call it fun. And then you know, as I got older too, and maybe this was my choice, or I think it's partially the patois of my voice, right? Because I'm not, I'm northern. I don't have a southern accent so when i hit town in the 90s i was like i just want i rarely hear people speak like i do so i want to use this patois so then i ended up being the only brown girl on every movie i was (laughs) so it's been a theme in my life and it's not necessarily good or bad it just is does that make sense yeah I want to hear about your audition process because i know it was not originally written it was all white girls right it, yeah, it, she in was the original script. My character was bulimic to begin with. She was okay. Anglo and bulimic. But I do know a friend of mine, Jordan Ladd, who's an actress. We had done a Gregor Rocky movie together. Yes. She said, there's this movie floating around. You got to read for it. So she is the one who told me about it. So then I take it to my agents and I'm like, hey, switches. And um, <laughs> they're like, you're too old. And I was like, I'm not. You know, I'm Wait, very how, how old were you when? How old? old? I was like 27. 20. I was old. I was older That's, than everyone, but I don't even think I look the old. You did not look the oldest. It you doesn't seem ex- old now, we does it? All looked at, we were all in our 20s, we though. All. We all looked exactly this. I feel like we all looked. Yeah, everybody everybody looked great, by the way. But um, so they, my agent literally refused to submit me for it. And I was like, so then uh, Jordan's manager had been wanting to work with me. And I was like, fine, manager. I didn't want to pay an extra 10%. But you know what? If you can get me in on this thing. <laughs> she did. She made one phone call, got me in. Right. You right. Know? So that was a lesson in teamwork as far as the team we've assembled. And then they were surprised that I left them. Yeah, the agents. I was like, you didn't even want to submit me. <laughs> you, you couldn't get me in on that audition. But that was a movie I remember because we we talk about this a lot in the 90s. David, you were in in, you know, a movie that was like the big movie that all the guys wanted to be in. I remember for us, it was like all, all the girls were auditioning for that movie. And I right. I I, te- I screen tested for <gasps> Robin's part. You, you know, you, yes. Yeah, not- I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah. And and Andy was he was so great with me. And he just was like, I, I'm I just love, you know, my my sister and I grew up watching Marsha. Like, you're so much I want to find something for you in this movie. And Wait, so I, this I, is post Brady Bunch. This was, yes. Oh, okay, yes. Okay. But it so so yes. So this this role, my entire like Laura Lizzie is the character name. And <laughs> it is like all she does is torment Rachel's character. She is, she is a little Michelle. one note. Just a, not your performance, but I mean, the, the dialogue is literally like. <laughs> a little? <laughs> just like, I'm racist. I'm I mean, still racist, First of all, guys. Laura and Lizzie are two first names, and they couldn't be more white bread first <laughs> I names. I know. I know. Laura Lizzie was, and and I mean, put on this earth to torment this poor Rochelle in the movie. And we're we're on a diving team together, and and the even the things like where you would have to be doing a dive or your character, and I would just yell shark in the middle of the dive. Like yeah. she was the ultimate bully, <laughs> racist yeah. bully. Yes. Um and. We had these, I mean, it's some of the dialogue, and I'm not going to repeat the dialogue. It was just... So this movie would not get made today, for sure. No, but here's the thing. In some ways, uh, listen, it could get made today. It's still very timely, Davis. Well, it sure is. One of the things that I actually appreciate about that movie now that I didn't then was um, 
that's real. Like the the craft really did capture the anger and angst of the nineties. Right, Christine, don't you agree with that? So much, so much. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it, in, it, obviously it's a, about witches and it was a bit exaggerated, but it really also <laughs> captured that awful high school, the meanness, the, the clicks, the, yeah. the who's left out and the, the, the people that would talk behind other people's back. I mean, it really covered so much of that. It was it, it very, very timely. Like I, I, I really feel, and I just remember us shooting that scene together. And I, I think, I think after every take, I just would go, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he would just say, he's like, just do it meaner. Just do it meaner. And just do it. So just do lovely. it. So throw away. Just do it. So how throw would away. someone like, cast you as the mean girl, I, that's beyond my uh, belief. But and that was part of what was fun about playing it, and then also like the 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 great part about the movie is then the witches, the 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 coven puts a spell on me. I get mine. I get mine. It's she gets hers. Right. You know that walking shot in the craft. I was yep. literally always stuck in the back. Cut to the walking shoot. They put me in front, and I'm like, why am I in front? And it's with the my boobs. nipples going the, everywhere. Know, that's like, that oh. whole shot is everybody's boobs. <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's like a slow motion. I mean, the the pitch is for hot witches, right? So they gotta <laughs> they gotta market this. So. I'm just saying, but it took me 20 years to be like, oh, that's why they put me in the front in that one right. scene. But um, I think my issue with it back then, to be honest, with okay, so Bonnie uh, Nev's character is burned. Um, right. Robbins is, uh, Sarah, is that her name? Right, know. right. Was, you know, she had suicidal thoughts. Um, Feruza was just, you know, probably bipolar and, and poor, you know, right. that <laughs> was her, her right. character's thing. And mine was what I'm black. What is my problem? Other than right. I don't like racist, right. That you just have a bully. Right. Yeah. You just so have this I, bully I was, racist. Right. I, and and if you notice, everyone else has parents. I don't. We shot a scene with my parents and they were like, please let them tell them to give us a line. I was like, I'm trying to keep my lines, lady. <laughs> and that scene, was, <laughs> that scene was cut. So I'm not bringing these things up to go, isn't that true? Look what I know, because I don't feel like bitter about it. I'm just saying that is the difference in time. You know, that is the difference in now to then and the awareness that we have. Because one thing, I'm not salty about it, but I'm like, I, I remember when after the movie came out and it had done okay. It wasn't a huge hit, but it did okay. Right. And all other three girls were invited to the MTV Movie Awards, right? And I wasn't invited. And I remember saying, hey, girl, to my cast members, and you know, I'm, I'm bummed about that. And they were like, well, it's because we're all famous. And I said to that person, how do you get famous? You get invited to the award shows and you get photographed. Back then compared to now when you can just set up a YouTube channel or a TikTok, right? So if I'm not invited, and not just that, I wasn't invited on the publicity junket. Are you I, I was excluded. me? I'm not kidding you. Now, if you do not think that affected my career financially and work-wise, you're crazy. Because it did, you know? So I think things like that, I'm super glad things have changed since then. Cause that would never happen. Can you imagine putting out a movie with four girls on the poster and being like, we don't think it's going to play in black areas. So we're not going to include you on the junket. So I think, like, you know, that sounds like, insane. That sounds David, insane. Not fun. No. Not right. so not, much fun. Not fun, but you didn't yeah. let it stop you. I mean, so, so, so tell, so t talk me through, like, talk us through how that, you, like you said, you don't want to use, you, you don't want to use any more strife to motivate you. Right. But yeah, 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 back yeah. then, yeah. was that like, watch out, it, I'm going to, cause you, cause you're so good. And I, there's no version of that movie where I don't think of it as the four of you. It is a full that it's that ensemble. I don't look at it. I, I mean, I Robin's character is sort of the star who's coming in and she's well, you know, but when the movie gets going, it's the four of you and it's playing out all those storylines. I think what it is, what you here, here's the thing. And then I want to get back to some of the stuff with working with you, but think what it is. And what I say to some of my friends at, the, at this point in my life is when they're really bummed about something and I get it, like, listen, I love to you know, dig into my pain too. But after a while, I'm like, listen, you got to think like a black person, which is 
what you said i can't i gotta know well then i have to figure out the other way around it oh Mm -hmm. i heard another no instead of going they said no you know you can't just throw up your hands i've gotta i've gotta go okay um just like i picked up the manager to get the audition and that cost Mm -hmm. me 10 more percent of my money right but Mm -hmm. it's worth it so it's it's just figuring out how to do it and again things are much more different now so i do feel like there's validity in these stories from the, my gen x days as as a 90s actor and what i dealt with because i want that's just part of history and there's a lot of people who paved the way for me to be able to be in the craft right and so hopefully right. i paved the way in my little tiny way for some weird quirky alternative black chicks you know what i mean to do <laughs> their thing but that said like once once i got the job Gosh, I don't want to make it all about this, but maybe it's because I'm working on a second book, right? It's just essays. And so a lot of this stuff is on my mind. And um, I had someone say, well, you you talk about race for you. And I said, yes. (laughs) Fair enough. Yes. I I don't know. I don't think it's just you. I mean, uh, we had another friend of Christine's on uh, Marin Dungy. Oh. Uh, Marin. Yeah, yeah. the other day so and i we were talking about how the business had changed and i was asking her what are the biggest changes that she's seen because i, I wanted to talk about streaming and uh the strike and the loss of residuals she said the biggest change is more opportunity for people of color Absolutely. that was her answer and i was like whoa yeah i mean if right, there's any you, positive right and you probably wouldn't even think that but i get why she said that I will say this. The thing about the 90s, though, as far as work is I I lived on residuals like I was just saying to someone, I don't know yeah. that I, I, Rachel, would have been able to afford to be an actor in today's world, you know, because I didn't have the help of uh, family help, which is great. I don't begrudge anyone. I'm like, yay for you that you have some subsidy, right, to help yeah. you with a artistic career. But if I was just starting now, I think I would be really overwhelmed and I'd be like, oh, my God, do I really have to pay $200 to audition between this and, you know, going to a place? And no, you don't, you know, and all of there's ways to work around all that. But it just seems a lot. Am I wrong that it seems more daunting now or is that just my opinion? It's I mean, it feels very daunting now. I think our our peers are trying to correct that right now as we speak. And and I think it will be. But Marin's answer was to your point that there are some positive changes that have occurred, right? Uh, and, and her answer threw me because I wasn't thinking, I was trying to go to, towards the negative and talk about the strike, but she said, you know, there's more opportunity now. There, there absolutely is, because I was on a sitcom in the early aughts, right? And um, it was on UPN on Black Night, and I was like, I just want to be on a night. But in the end, I'm like, you know what? It's fine that there was Black Night because that way people got to see a, n- a night of themselves, right? But it wasn't in- interspersed in. Like, so you guys might not know that, but in the 90s, there was only one drama one called Under One Roof. James Earl Jones was on it, and my co-star, Essence Atkins. Um, oh, one I, I love Essence. Yeah, oh Essence Atkins, she's a great girl, Essence. Yeah. Um, I've worked with her in a bunch of different things. And uh, so that was it in the 90s. That's how small, you know, the the opportunity in the pool was. So, yes, it's changed so much. I'm so excited for the changes that have come. I would say it's so interesting to watch Gen Z go. It's all me, though. And if I want to go into this audition for, a, you know, a senator with green hair, I can. And I'm like, good luck. You know, like, <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that, because there's still <laughs> rules and things and 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 boxes, right? We're, we're in as actor archetypes, all those things. And I was like, yes, you can do it your way. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think in the '90s it felt like you had to get in the system to then change it. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like they can make their own system. So that's mm. so exciting for people today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you guys continue about your movie and working together because I have to get to one stoner movie with Dave Chappelle, but you guys finish <laughs> up what you're doing and then no. I will get. To- <laughs> I just wanted to say that I actually wish like, you know, um, we actually could have hung out. It's talked a little more, right? Because we're on set. She's saying these terrible things. She's obviously the nicest girl. She's so sweet. I'm like, hey, dude, all of you. She literally <laughs> is genuinely the sweetest person any of us know. It it was, it, I felt it was a, it was a, cha- again, it, we, t- we talk a lot on this podcast about, because com- we, we've all done the guest star roles on sitcoms and that, and, and, it, you know, y- that movie, I would only come in for certain days and certain chunks of time. And most of Almost all of my, I think I might have had a day or two that was not with you, but I, it, I always felt like 
that little bit of the outsider. And then on top oh, of it, I'm playing the character that I was playing. Did but, you? Yes, a little bit. I mean, just really, just not wanting to, you know what I mean? When, when there's a rhythm and the, everyone knows oh, the crew. Yeah, I do. I do. Also, but what non-actors might not know is sometimes when you're a guest, not she was a cast, not a guest, but I mean, on right. TV shows, when you guest, you just don't know. The cast could speak to you or not. No, and and Thanks. you you were all great, and that was the thing. And 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 Andy was also delightful. I mean, with me and, and Andy's just, the, the director. Yes, yeah. Andy Fleming, Christine. Do you know this? Story? So the night before I tested, Andy Fleming, we're on the phone, and I'm like, because I'm so you know neurotic. And he goes, Rachel, just don't drool, and the part is yours. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> really? And oh. I felt good. I hang up. No, I hang up, and I'm like. Not drool. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's his way of telling you you have the part. Just go in and I be know. you. Yeah, that's I yes. love that. My last little Andy story before we get to half baked is um. So Andy, so Andy Fleming. I was a freshman uh, at NYU when Andy Fleming was like a super senior living in the other side of the same dorm, Weinstein at NYU. No, you were at in Weinstein. Yes, I, how do you know that? Is your kid got, I no. know it because my daughter did a, a summer program there and, st- and it's it's the infamous it's the Weinstein. worst dorm ever. Uh, horrendous. But didn't it's the Beastie prison. Boys start there and 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 Adam Sandler? Oh, I, and I mean, it no. was just, it's One it's morning famous, we no? get woken up by the loudest music and I look out and it's the Beastie Boys filming their video because Rick Rubin was still exactly, in the Exactly, exactly. No, it was Rick. a fun trip. Anyway, so I didn't really, I didn't know Andy. I was the shyest. You wouldn't have even recognized me back then. But my roommate dated Andy's roommate. So this guy had come, you know, to my dorm room. Refused. So anyway, I'm auditioning. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I hope Andy doesn't, you know, can remember me. I look so different. And, <laughs> and so he doesn't. But, and so then cut to her on set. And the roommate that my roommate dated comes to set. And he's staring at me no. and I ran and hid in my trailer the entire rest of the day when I wasn't working. So I'm like, I can't have this guy telling him I'm 6,000 years old. I can't have this right now. <laughs> we, were, we were all playing seniors in or, what, high school. I don't even know what year in high school we were, were supposed to be. High school. Yeah, we, we, we were, were definitely high school for sure. We were, <laughs> yeah, we well, were seniors. We were in high school. We but were super we were not. seniors. Anyway, so I do really appreciate that movie so much because I was interested in the subject matter. I always say to people now, like I think it came to me because I just sort of I was truly into it. Um and it's fun. It's a, there was a long time I never wanted to talk about it. I was like, who's that who cares? But now that it's all this time later and I do some conventions and I see yeah. how much it means. Like I did one in California recently. So it's a lot of um, very mixed crowd. It was really nice to see like Spanish and Anglo and, and black people and the amount of young 16, 17 year old girls. They're so young. And I'm like, your mom made you watch it. And they're like, no, but I loved your character, your character, your character, because right. I related. So that actually does mean something. I, it does mean something. And and like you said, the movie came, it, it was a moment in time that we, I think we all thought we were working on something really fun and cool. It didn't do great, but yeah, it is yeah. one of those films that has lived on in a way, like it, it, almost beyond cult following, because like you said, a new generation and, and I never saw the remake. I don't even know if it was remotely close. To- I don't know her. Nice gowns. <laughs> I didn't even. No, here's my thing. They actually spoke with us all about being in it. And then they literally for months. And then they were like, we don't think the audience wants to see you in it, you guys. And I was like, good luck with that. (laughs) So I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wait, you're saying the movie movie wasn't a hit when it came out? No. No. Listen, it was number one. That's surprising because everyone was talking about that movie. No, it was number one technically for a week until right. Mission Impossible or so. I think we beat, <laughs> right. we did beat, we beat Barbed Wire for the record. Okay. All right. Good for us. <laughs> yeah. I remember the premiere. I remember, I mean, it was cool. To, it was a cool thing to be a part of. I was, I loved it. But the other thing people listening might not get, I think part of my nostalgia and appreciation for that is that we shot it on film. You know, it was like film, oh, yeah. film, film. Like I had a real screen test, like a real Same. Screen. Same. Yeah, like it, it was the the last hurrah, really, to those kind of movies. Not that it was a big budget, um, but it was fun. And and the thing is, when you're on set and you're shooting film, and they say 
you know, uh, rolling and action, you know that it's expensive. You know that film matters. Oh, yeah. Every you take. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not like now where it's like, we got a million digital sticks, which is fine. Uh, we have to progress. I'm not against that. I actually yeah. am hoping a indie revolution will still come out of all this. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But I'm hoping it will. Yeah. No, we did. We you felt valued. You felt like it was important. You're absolutely right. It really sure. was a, that we talk we talk a lot about those that period of time of that sort of dying breed. Yeah. Oh, but lastly on the craft, a fair number of actresses came up to me over the years back then, at least well still even. They'll be like, I didn't, you know, and they'll be um black actresses and they're like, I didn't audition for the craft because the devil. And I was like, wasn't your part. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the devil <laughs> i know it's like okay <laughs> oh you gosh as a catholic though right because i was like I of course i did and in fact we were joking because it was on the other day and my kids like we we had to put it on and it's you know it's the part where the spell has been cast and you know and i remember i had gone through a lot of like the the pro like it, it's it's really that that you know it, it, she becomes so pathetic and it's public and it's Laura Lizzie is, is, you know, finishing up a swim practice and takes her bathing cap off and, and the girls have cast a spell that she's going to lose her hair and get scabs. And it was a big prosthetic makeup and it was a long, like several hours. And, and, and of course my kids go walk in at that part. And my mom, the Catholic, she goes, Oh, I didn't like this movie. I didn't, did not like this movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, mom, it really wasn't your demo. It really wasn't made. Right. It wasn't made for, for you. The, for the, the church going Catholic moms. It was really yeah. for kids and it it's, was cool and people love it like i love that i was defending it too at that point it was kind of prestigious to be in studio movies like you know i did a ton of indies too but it felt good to book a studio movie does that it, it did it felt good to your bank account to book a studio movie Heck <laughs> yeah oh my exactly. god exactly that's what i really mean here people <laughs> but then you did another cult classic movie with dave chappelle about <laughs> A, a group of stoner guys. Uh, you can say the name if you want, but uh, you play a girl ironically named Mary Jane. Yeah. Uh, and just for our for our listeners, the scene that I just watched is Dave Chappelle has no money and desperately wants to take you out on a date. So he keeps offering things that cost no money. You want to go on a walk? Yeah. And she she yeah, wants yeah, to yeah. go. She wants to go to a restaurant. He goes, "How about we get a hot dog?" You know, and they like, have yeah. a, a dollar thing. Every time he spends a little bit of money, the gr the the gr you know the graph on the screen is like his yeah, money. How much money he's spending? <laughs> right. And then you're like, can we take a cab? And we don't. I, it, the two of you together were so classic. And he looks, he was like a skinny guy. You know, now he's like ripped. To, you know, and he's the biggest comedian in the world. But what was that experience like for you? Because that oh, that movie's cult. Oh, super fun! And here's. I don't even know if this is still valid today for young for actors out there, but you know, I got cast in that because I they asked me to come in. I just went in once and read with Dave, who was super sweet, so great. We, you know, just see our chemistry just once. That's it with him. But another actress who had been in some big movies, who was kind of my type or whatever, black. Um, she was like, "No, I won't come in and read." And not that it really matters. It's a dumb movie, right? I'm sure she doesn't care that she wasn't in it, but it was like a good lesson in like, oh, I was willing to come in and do a, a chemistry test because who, who was I anyway to be like, no, <laughs> to be honest. But those are hard. I mean, those like to me, if if a, if someone's asking you to come in to see you with a person like. I, I mean, I, That's listen, what we do. I, I'm I'm married to a director who I know, even if he's seen work it's and not everyone has to audition for everything but there are times where he's like i just want to see the chemistry with the two of yeah. them and it's not it's not for lack of their talent or their resume or right. it's not or it's ego. not an ego it's right. ego it's ego yes right. it, 
It is ego. But then again, when I think about times like, you know, TV shows, I'd be like, I don't I offer only on like the Jamaican store clerk roles. For I God's mean, sake. Yeah, no, we, we all oh, got to that different. part yeah. where we yeah. had earned that yeah. ability. And yeah. I was so proud of being able to say, um, no, I will not. Yeah. Audition you know what I'm saying? For you the girl those... who walks by in the tight dress or whatever. Right. You exactly. earn those moments as well. <laughs> by the way, that that movie still lives on today. My son loves that movie. <laughs> How old are your children? You guys look like your baby. He's 18. Shut yeah. up. Really? Yeah. I have a cat. <laughs> it's good. Good. Enjoy your kitty cat. Uh, so it was so I, I love that I got it because A, my friends were, listen, my friends were all making fun of me. They were like, how are you going to pretend you don't like weed, Rachel? Because it's, Mary Jane is really uh-huh. anti-weed in the movie. She's like, it's a gateway drug. My father's in prison because of weed. She's really right. like a type A Capricorn, like so different, you know, like different than me, actually. She's very Virgo, like, I'm going to get the stun. So, um, and Dave Chappelle plays an enormous stoner who's now having yeah. to pretend he doesn't smoke. Everyone else in the movie <laughs> is an enormous stoner, except for my character, like Chong, Tommy Chong is in it, I think, is my dad. And, um, you know, stoner, stoner, stoner. We shot it in Toronto, which I was like, why America so messed up? We can't ever shoot in our own cities. Like, even then, I thought <laughs> it's supposed to be New York. It oh, looked like New York. Wow. I, that's surprising. We shot one day in New York. But I think shooting in New York is super brutal or was then. So um, super fun. First of all, Christine, have you ever been the only chick basically in a movie? Of course. It's the best. <laughs> it was it's the great. best. And I, I listen, I'm a girl's girl. I love my friends. Like we got, you know, I can't exist without my my friends. Um, as we always say, like we yeah. don't talk shit about our friends. We throw roses at our friends' backs when they're not around. So my <laughs> friends are super important. That said, it was kind of the easiest job I've ever had because there was no what is your costume and what are you do you know all the stuff that happens on sets or how many lines do you there was none of that right no competition no, <laughs> no competition ha- you got to be the girl do and your like, thing yeah Laura Silverman was in it um but she wasn't there the whole time she was only in for a couple days so it really just was me and a bunch of boys who all had significant others or whatever so i was really like their sister which was even more fun than like one guy pressuring you to sleep with them you know what i mean like the whole <laughs> thing <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yes I, mean, David, I think you do um, <laughs> no yeah you're special if you're one of the only girls in an all-male cast yeah you're, you're the you're the the princess you're the queen you know yes. right you're the only girl so you're the only boobs they can look at so they're like hey <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Going back to that first Chris Rock experience, were you, oh, like, did you always find yourself funny? Did you feel intimidated? Because Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, working with comics Seriously, two of, of the that greatest caliber. of all time. Because I had moments with, when I've worked with, like, I mean, even working with Ben at the beginning and like Will Ferrell and Owen, like those guys, it was like another league (laughs) that I was. And a lot of times I just got to play the straight person in many of them. But I it was almost like watching something like I was a sort of a spectator watching the the comedic brilliance. How was that for you? Unfold. I mean, to be honest, I've been the straight girl with all the movies. It's here to be to be a lady. I'm a girl, you guys. That might as well have been all my lines. I'm a girl. You know. But you have to know comedy to be the straight one because I think you have to know how to oh, react. Yeah. You Sometimes have to that's know harder. how to not yes, exactly. No, and listen, you- I I've mentioned it before, but I ended up on a sitcom, right? At called Half and Half. <laughs> not half baked <laughs> half and a half right. and um i was number number one on the call sheet and we all know as actors that's kind of fun right mm-hmm. like want to be number one in the call sheet i was a straight person everything happened around me <laughs> that's you that sometimes can be on a sitcom the most boring character and what, <laughs> i mean right. i think i have i do feel i don't think i was funny as a kid necessarily but i've always been you know, in my household, wit was being quick-witted and intelligent and smart was the most important thing. So I think the humor, you know, anyone who's quick-witted, I think, can be kind of funny, right? So I think I always had that. And then I found ways with that sitcom to, like, make her more funny. But after a while, I mean, you guys have you've done much more comedy, Christine, <laughs> you know? So I just was like, just say the line. Yeah. don't overthink it don't make a meal of it right don't make a meal of it because because the truth is for me on a sitcom every sunday night before the monday table read i would get it and i honestly and i'm not speaking specifically of my sitcom it was very funny and cute but any sitcom i'd be like that i was ever on i was like i I don't get it 
I don't, I don't get What's where are the, the jokes? jokes? Where What's are the jokes? the jokes? I don't see the jokes. I know they're supposed to be one every third line. So I'm going to assume that's a joke until I realized it was situational. Right. Most of the comedy. So it's not even the line is funny. It's the situation that makes the line. I had to, you know, learn kind of on my footing on that particular sitcom. And they were like, well, we only cast you because you were so weird and different from everyone else. And I was like, okay. Uh, well, and, also, I, you you are stood toe to toe and see, were a great scene partner for Dave Chappelle, for Chris Rock. You you know, you knew comedy. No, I'm no, sorry. for you, sure. And I think timing, like you can't buy timing, right? Like true. you know when to come in with the line or, or stretch out the tension a little bit and drop yep. the line then. That's true. I think it's, it's those things can't be taught. You either kind of have, maybe they can, but. I feel like most people I know they were innately that and then they did honed it and developed it in classes, but they had it in them. Um, so I love comedy, actually. I thought it was so fun to make people laugh. Don't you, Christine? Like Yes, yes. <laughs> I think there's nothing better. It can be very scary because you feel really if it's we've all said like, it, especially in those situation comedies where if the joke doesn't land and it. Multiple, wah, wah. And you know it should should be, and it's not. Then it's gone. But um, yeah, it's a. I I do. I love. I I mean, to me, that's the best. It's the 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 laughing and the- and it's harder. I, I it's you know, harder. there's the what is it? Hitchcock who said, "Dying is easy, comedy is hard." There's if you're a great comedic <laughs> actor or actress, you can you can breeze through a drama, whether it's Adam Sandler or John C. Riley. You know, you you're Steve Carell. You pivot yeah. to drama very, but you can't take a dramatic actor and, and say, "Oh, they're definitely going to nail a comedy." No way. That's that's very true, actually. Although yeah. I will say the one nut I've never been able to crack, and I bet you both are amazing at this, Christine and David, procedurals. I literally look at the typeface and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, well, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I think I guest starred on one and I don't, it's just, I never get them. I've, I think I over look, the years I've auditioned for all of them. Me too. I, I just don't get those I shows. I don't look good in the cop uniform, all of it. No. Like, I, like, yes. Or just I the suit. The suit. Where you're just wearing the suit carrying lawyers. <laughs> I've okay. never done one. No, they've never asked me. Me neither. <laughs> it's it's not about it's passing. It's not. It, they just w- weren't asking. I think it's a certain skill set for procedural stuff because I see those people who are excel at procedurals. They don't always excel at like a sitcom. You're like right. we were saying, it's it's yes. a different skill set. So in the end, also I love being on a like in the nineties. Remember how you're doing TV? <laughs> like TV was so cool in the nineties. I love being a movie actor. Here's where my how do you go as a youth. Mm-hmm. I'm a movie actor. You and now, now it's flip-flopped. It's it, completely it's, flip-flopped. Uh, so when I got that show in the early aughts, I love doing it because um, first of all, uh, just having somewhere to go every week instead of two months or three months or two weeks or a week or whatever. And, um, and then developing character over the course of time years was super exciting. I'd never had that luxury before. And then it's true. You do kind of know your character inside and out uh, and you see them grow, you know? So all of that was really fun. So great. All right. We we can't keep you for too much longer, but I want to hear, just quickly tell us about your first book and then the second, the one you're writing right now. Oh, uh, the first one is a tarot book in Dexet. Again, it's Jungian, psychology-based tarot. It is literally designed to feel like a a friend, the deck I designed with an artist for a major publisher, um, to feel like a close friend, something warm and soothing. Because there's some decks that are like, you're dead! And I was like, no, I don't want that. Oh, gosh, you can't tell someone. (laughs) I want really friendly. And then the book is a whole book that I wrote all by my big girl self. And that was hard, Christina and David. I don't think I'd written over... 20 pages in since high school since college yeah but i since college but i love writing i love words and it you know took me a while to figure out how to get the words to lay on the page the way i wanted them to because i thought oh i can i'm a good order i can just speak it no it's a book so all of that was a really great exercise and then included in that tarot book and deck set there's 22 to go along with the 22 first cards memory episodes where i talk about a lot of the stuff we're talking about now um, just my life as a, you know, Gen X person in New York in the early nineties and then in LA and then a l- some from my current life and things like that. So it was a really fun project. And then this book is a book of essays, um, basically 
for highly, you know, a lot of young girls come up to me. You probably get the kids too, because you look really young. So they're like, let's hang out. And I'm like, I'm about to kill over. I'm like, I can't no, but they'll say to me, like, they'll come up and they'll go, I'm an empath. I'm very sensitive. What do I do? I'm so special. And I'm like, okay, yes, but no. So part of the <laughs> it's just like, again, Christine, you have children. And, and, and I think a lot of the girls come up and they're like, all my power is based in my sex. And I'm like, no, yes, but no, you know, yeah, there's so, something young. About, it's great because they know they yes, have their power the way absolutely. I don't think we did. And they, they it's, absolutely. But, but it's but it's what what is it really? Well, this is the great. Other, well, I'm like, listen, everyone, almost everyone has that. So that can't be the thing that makes you special. Right? right. So this is a book of essays more about just how to how to not be overwhelmed. And it's not like I'm a psychologist. It's just I have a lot of you know, it's just life experience, life experience, things I've been through and how I comforted myself and maybe some and, you know, talking about TM meditation and just different things uh, Beautiful. That, I've done, that I've done to stay sane, you know, I love it. I sounds love like it, it. it help a lot of people, too. It sounds amazing. It's just something to do. You know, like you said, there's a strike on now. I'm very lucky I sold this book because with a nonfiction book, you sell a proposal and then you write mm -hmm. the book. So they pay you a little up front. So I was like, oh, that's nice. I have a little money coming in from the book I can write out this strike, uh, which I'm very much for, obviously. Yes, yes, you know, yes. My sitcom streams on Netflix and five other platforms, and I don't make enough in the total year, I think, for one month of bills. So we all know these stories, and um, I think it's good that we're striking right now. I really hope we get some, um, some, you know, I really hope we move ahead, because I read last night, like, this lawyer said, you know, um, the apartment I lived in when I was 18, right? It was $800. He's like, and now it's 4,000. I today could not afford to live in the apartment of my youth. It's so crazy. I'm hoping some of these things change because I'm worried that, you know, it's going to become a little like England where there, we don't have a middle class and then there will be no middle class actors. It will only be people who have, are subsidized by their families. I'm just worried that it'll just become the sport of the wealthy. And I think, um, you know, actors, we've always been show folk and diversity is what makes us thrive as actors. And I don't mean color. I just mean diversity of people. Yeah. Economic yes. background. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. of it. We're with you. All of it. I, I'm so happy to meet you. This has been amazing. Thank you amazing. so much. Please, let's, I want to find you. I want to stay in touch. I want to see you. We're in New York. You're in LA, but You're yes. in New York? Yes. Do you love it? I'm so, I, I want to move back so much. I spent all last summer working on a TV show. I really want to move back. Oh, well, please, let's please stay, in, let's find each other, please, and stay Instagram, in touch. i Instagram, maybe. I'm sure you're yes. six million people, but maybe you'll see I my don't. I don't. Um, I don't. As David knows, I have a little private account, so I, oh, I'll do? text you all the info. I'll okay. Yeah. Yeah, info. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll call, I'll, I'll get you and we'll find each other. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Oh, we loved it. We Thanks loved it. I'm so us. happy to reconnect. Yeah, me too. Me too. And again, how does she look like you're, you look like a baby. You like look baby. like that. Okay. You right. look like that. Goodbye. Bye, <laughs> Bye Rachel. Love. Bye, guys. Hey. Amazing. You got so good friends. So fun. So fun. I mean, really, it was not, I did not get to know her that well during the, during the film, but I just always had this connection because, you know, we had these tough scenes to do together and it was, um, it was a big deal, like doing that movie. I remember it was a big deal for me because I was playing not the, you know, the kind of characters I usually played. And I, you know, anyway, um, that was really cool. What an interesting person. Again, like just I love that what she's doing what, during the strike and writing. And um, yeah, really, really great. And I hope so, our, um, our, our fans out there who have been wanting a... Uh, a fellow castmate from our witch movie <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah, she's done. Yeah, she she's done some movies that are still like you call them cult classics, but like our kids watch them, and she's amazing. She can do drama, comedy, and just a spiritual sweet. Sweet girl. Really that cool. was awesome. I enjoyed really it. Cool. Thank you yes. for getting her. Yes. Um, and thanks, everybody. We will uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hold on to summer. It's not over yet. Not over. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Christine. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give us five stars. And please follow us on Instagram at HeyDude90sCalled. See you next time. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one listen to a really good cry with radhi devlukia on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elia connie jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner david David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.